0: Welcome to The Ziegler Show. This is episode 464, and today we bring you Shanti Feldhahn. And we're going to talk about kindness, but not in the way you're thinking. This isn't a do the right thing discussion. Shanti is a Harvard University grad and was an analyst on Wall Street before unexpectedly becoming a social researcher, best selling author, and popular speaker. Today, she uses her analytical skills to investigate life-changing truths about relationships. That's what we're talking about today. Her groundbreaking research-based books, such as For Women Only, have sold more than 2 million copies in 23 languages, widely read in homes, counseling centers, and corporations worldwide. The new book, The Kindness Challenge, is catalyzing a movement of kindness across the country and beyond. But here's a statement from Shanti in her book I want you to hear says, whether we thrive depends far more on how we choose to treat others than on how we ourselves are treated. I'll repeat that again in just a minute because you got to wrap your head around that one. This is brain training, folks, reprogramming your mind, which is so much the essence of what Zig Ziglar brought us to. After the interview, I took the book home and told my wife, we've got to do this. This is an incredible interview.
1: take it now you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want today's a brand new day and it's yours
0: today's show is brought to you in part by constant contact if you're looking to create interactive content that drives engagement from your customers no one makes it easier than constant contact Unlike other solutions, Constant Contact is a smooth drag-and-drop design which provides the most simplified editing experience possible. Their comprehensive uploading tool lets you easily import your contact list from Excel, Gmail, Outlook, or wherever, and keep track of changes automatically. See how you can be a marketer with a free trial at constantcontact.com podcast. Also, The New Rules of Work. It's a book. The career marketplace looks nothing like it did five years ago. Today, there's a broader set of career options and even more opportunity to find work that inspires us. That's why Catherine Minshew and Alexandra Kavulokas, co-founders of TheMuse.com, wrote The New Rules of Work, the modern playbook for navigating your career to show you how to play the game by the new rules. So whether you're just starting out in your career, navigating a mid-career shift, or somewhere in between, this is the book you need to thrive in the new world of work. Pick up a copy of The New Rules of Work, the modern playbook for navigating your career today. Okay, folks, so Tom Ziegler and I, Kevin Miller, your host here, sat down with Shanti Feldhahn to discuss her new book, The Kindness Challenge, 30 Days to Improve Any Relationship. Honestly, the title doesn't give merit to how profound this book is. She is a researcher. This is about tests and studies and what they found out. It's not opinion. And it's not, as I mentioned before, a book about just being a nice person. So you'll get a cloud on heaven somewhere. This is about us. I mean, I take vitamins and supplements and I exercise to help me be fit, healthy, and have energy and feel great. From that, I can be a better husband, daddy, friend, businessman, have more joy, hope, and all that good stuff. Shanti is saying here, whether we thrive depends far more on how we choose to treat others than on how we ourselves are treated. The path to our happy place starts with one choice, whether or not to be kind, especially when we really don't want to be. Those are paradigm shifting statements and they take some explanation. That's what we do in the interview. Here we go. We're diving in. Well, Shanti, you came recommended to us as you have to have Shanti on the Ziegler show. And so here you are. Thanks so much for giving us your time and your message today.
2: It is terrific to be with you.
0: Well, uh, it's, uh, I was very inspired reading the book and I'm going to take it to my bride and have us go through it together. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But I want to, first off, just the title of the book, the perspective you came to is interesting. You didn't merely write a book about the benefits of kindness and as a part of it, create a challenge. You flat out titled the book, the kindness challenge. So I'm curious of what led you to do that.
2: Well, actually, it was interesting because all my all my books are based on research because that's essentially really what I am primarily as a social researcher, and I'm trying to dig out the things that really matter to help people thrive in their lives and in their relationships, um, sort of live up to that potential that they all know that they have and not really sure how to get there. And um, and one of the things that I had seen over numbers of years in these studies is that there were really a few things that would make a pretty big difference in your life and in your relationships if you knew what they were. And I realized the common denominator was kindness, um, but we already kind of think we are kind. (laughs) and so it was a little bit of a shock to find out we're a little bit diluted and we need a training ground or boot camp to get there so what I was testing in this research project was all right if you take groups of people and you have them do this or that you know small little change in their life what happens and does it change anything and eventually this became what we call the 30-day kindness challenge so it actually was driven (laughs) by the fact that we were finding these little things that mattered. And it turns out it is a challenge and we kind of need it.
1: Yeah. All right. You know, Shanti, that just, uh, that just kind of spurred a thought. And I know Kevin, this is totally off track of all the questions that you prepare in advance. Totally derailed now. Uh, (laughs) But you said researcher and my ears perked forward, you know, because I just, I love that. And, and this is a worldview question, because right now yep. in the worldview of the media and big government and globalism and all the things that we hear, it talks about solutions happen at the global level. And then they come back to the country level and then the state and then the city and then the little neighborhood and then the family, and then the individual. And people get paralyzed because I can't change the world. All I, nope. could, all I could do is change myself. And I'm on your your website. And it says the 30 day kindness challenge, change your relationship, change your life, change the world. And it starts with you and then your relationships that are closest to you. And then it goes out. So yeah. I just want to, from a big picture, you do all this research, you know, how do we make sense of that? How do we look at the messaging we get, but what's really the truth?
2: You know, it's a great question. I, I honestly, I love the way you think about this because it really has been what I've seen in all of these research studies over the years. And this is my eighth big national, really global in a lot of ways, research study to try to dig that stuff out. And honestly, one of the main themes through, through all of them is that all those big issues that feel so paralyzing, they're really not big. I mean, you think, for example, like how on earth I've got a marriage that's maybe falling apart or just feeling different than it did, you know, 15 years ago. It just feels so horrible. Or, you know, I've got a child who's going the wrong direction and it feels hopeless. Like, what do I do? Like, these issues feel so big when you're in the middle of them. And it turns out, actually, that one of the the common themes that we found in all the research is that often it's because we are trying really hard and we don't realize we're sometimes trying hard in the wrong areas. We're kind of missing each other often in our relationships, or there's some little changes that if we just did these few things differently, it would have a really big impact. And it starts with us. And once we start it, we see this massive impact everywhere in our life, in our relationships, in our workplace. I mean, it's really, truly comes down to what are those high leverage things? And that's not paralyzing. Like, okay, I can't figure out how to change my marriage. Like that seems paralyzing. How do I fix my marriage? But I can figure out, okay, you know what? If I am, for example, a wife, you know, I've been married now for 22 years. um, And I did not know that for my husband, for example, the I'm saying spending all this time trying to say I love you to him. And yet he, like most men we found in our studies, really needs to feel appreciated most of all. Like he really needs to be affirmed and believed in most of all. I can say I love you all day long, but it won't have the impact as if I were to say Thank you for doing that. Thank you for taking the kids and doing this thing with them. Thanks for putting gas in the car. Thanks for these things you do for the house. And that fills him up. And it's a little tiny change, but it changes the temperature of our home. That is not, how do I fix my marriage? That is, oh, wow. I just needed to say thank you more. (laughs) I can do that. Like, I can't fix the world, but I could do these little things. And we've, we've quantified what those little things are that will make the biggest difference.
0: Okay. So I actually read about that on your, on your blog. I think I got to it through your Facebook page, which folks, I'll, I'll uh, you got to go check out her page there. It gives you the blogs, but you had one. It wasn't, it was, uh, just a few days ago, I think. And it was something to the effect of, uh, is your husband grumpy and withdrawn? Did I get it right?
2: Yes, you did. And
0: I thought, have you been watching our house or something? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it it attested to just what you were talking about there. It was, uh, it was, it was, thank you. Uh, Well,
2: and the thing, this is, it's relevant to everything we're talking about today, because most of, most of us want a great life. We want great relationships. There's not a single wife that I've seen in my statistics. I mean, we've done all the surveys and they're all anonymous. People are very honest and candid. We have never found people who say, oh, you know, I want to be a jerk. You know, like, we all want good relationships. It's just we are so tripped up by we don't know what we don't know. We don't realize that there are these little areas of blindness. And once our eyes are opened, and we see some of these little things that matter that we just didn't know mattered, you know, but once we know, Then it's actually fairly simple to apply them like, you know, in the blog talking about, you know, is your husband a bit grumpy? Is he withdrawn? It's very possible statistically, very possible that he is primarily starved for affirmation. And and you're trying so hard to say, I love you and do these loving things you don't realize you might be criticizing him a lot or telling him what to do all the time and he's feeling stupid. And instead, if you focus on the things he does well and you affirm those and keep your eyes and your tongue off all the mistakes that you so naturally see, just for a short period of time, oh my gosh, it changes so much.
0: Okay. Yeah. Right there. As uh, people listen to the show, about 10,000 guys are forwarding this to their wife. So uh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you on their, on their behalf. Okay. Well, you hit on a multiple things that I've got specific uh, questions I want to pull out. I do want to start. I want to start a little bit from the top and right off in your book, you lead off with uh, this. I'm reading right out of it. Whether we thrive depends far more on how we choose to treat others Then on how we ourselves are treated the path to our happy place starts with one choice Whether or not to be kind, especially when we really don't want to be okay So to start off just from a simple aspect define uh, What you use the word kind I thought that was really specific. There are other relevant words You chose that define it for us some in relation to this book
2: so Here's essentially what, when you're talking about the need to be kind, here is really what that comes down to. It comes down to the three aspects of kindness, three aspects of how you treat other people. And if you think about it, really basic stuff, this is not rocket science. This is essentially being kind means withholding unkindness, right? So unkind words, unkind actions, body language, all of that, it's withholding that, It's saying kind things, words of praise, affirmation, whatever that looks like. It's saying those things. And it's doing kind things. It's doing acts of generosity, for example. Really, when you boil it down to the bottom, it's really those three things are what make up being kind. And that's what we had seen in this theme. Through all of the studies, I looked back at the other seven of these big nationally representative surveys we've done. And I realized, you know, I I am surveying people about their innermost thoughts, like all that stuff that's on the inside that we tend not to talk about uh-huh. all that often and trying to get at what is under the surface of people and relationships and whether you thrive and realized really that the bottom line of whether you're thriving, it's far more correlated to how you're treating other people than how you are being treated, which is completely backwards mm-hmm. from kind of our natural instinct, because I don't know about you, when I feel like something isn't being fair, or I feel like, you know, this person at, you know, this company I'm working with, that they are disrespecting me, I want to get my head wag on. (laughs) Like, oh, no, you didn't. I, I, I want to stand up for myself. And there's a place for that. But the question, what we've found is how you do that, because it turns out really it's the reverse, is if you can figure out how to be kind, even in those situations, you are far more likely to get back in the end what you're looking for. So that's where that bottom line of being kind, as opposed to all the other things that you could tie that to comes in.
0: Well, and that is what I jumped on right away. Is that you added on that piece of the of, of giving more power, in essence, to being kind when. We really don't want to be. Which okay. brought me right. I wr- right away flipped open my Bible. This is last night. And you know Matthew five forty six is for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Uh, Luke yeah. six thirty two, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? But admittedly, I've always taken that. I think from a faith based standpoint, not the tangible psychological perspective that you're really putting that into here. So even that is a different mindset. Yeah, so where 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 did that the impetus on when you don't want to be where, where is that is out of studies?
2: Let me tell you, that's because honestly, that's what we have to realize: is it, it is almost like, well, I can be kind with a situation where I don't feel injustice coming my way, you mm-hmm. know. But if there's injustice, or if somebody's being critical, or if I feel like I'm not getting my due at work, or or whatever it is then you know strength is needed and you know that's when you just you got to stick it to them it's that's where you don't you kind of carve out that as the exception and what we found honestly from a social research standpoint is those actual situations are the ones where it is the most important to still be kind and to still be very careful of how you are relating to others and oh by the way for me, from a faith-based perspective, I go, "Wow, it backs up what the Bible was saying all along." Yeah. But no, it's coming from the what we quantified in the surveys is that for for and I'm just you know thinking of a of an example that somebody was talking about as we they were trying the 30-day kindness challenge. I did a lot of um, I did a lot of anecdotal interviews, did a lot of focus groups, as well as the big surveys. And you know, talking to a woman who was in a really difficult situation with a really difficult colleague at work, she was in the middle of of trying what we call the thirty day kindness challenge, which is what we tested. And and really, it was one of those situations where they were jointly running their department. This guy was being harsh, abusive, cruel—not just to her, but to everybody under them. Chasing people away, they were losing people, huge retention costs. It was awful. And she finally realized, you know what? Honestly, in this situation. I want to just walk in there and give him a piece of my mind and I need to, but I need to do it in a way that is purposely focused on being kind about it mm. in a way that gives him the benefit of the doubt in a way that, you know, and she ended up, she walked in, she was very strong about it, but she said, you know, Bob or whatever his name was, I know you don't intend to be harsh. I know you don't intend to be cruel. Like she was giving him the benefit of, of the doubt in the situation, but you are being cruel. And she had people in her office crying all the time. <laughs> you know? And she said, look, we are losing really good people. She gave them a bunch of examples. And I totally believe that you can change this and it needs to change. And if it doesn't, you need to know, I need to report this to leadership because this has gotten to a point where it's just not tenable anymore. But I totally believe that you can change. And, and it was interesting. It was a very strong approach, but it was done in a kind way. And she said it was fascinating to watch his demeanor because he was kind of a crusty old grumpy kind of guy, but he really truly did not intend to be abusive. And so he he apologized and he tried and it didn't miraculously change everything. But she said she started to see those the effort and that was what she needed to see, the effort towards mm-hmm. changing. And she said, you know, months later, she had seen that that ship start to turn. I thought that was a great example of... That's a difficult situation to be kind, but that's when it matters most. If she would have gone in and just let him have it, he would have gotten defensive. He probably would have not heard half of what she was saying. And I don't think it would have had that mind-changing, heart-changing impact that it did.
0: A quick pause to thank ZipRecruiter for supporting this show. If you're hiring, you've got to know where to post your job to find the best candidates. Posting your job in one place is not enough, and I'm one that hates the thought of missing out on the best opportunities. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. ZipRecruiter's simple website shows trending career fields, cities, and searches. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person quickly and efficiently. Also, ZipRecruiter already has 9 million resumes you can search through in their database. Any problems with the process, don't fret. ZipRecruiter's friendly and human support staff is always there to help. ZipRecruiter has been featured on Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Time Magazine, The New York Times, TechCrunch, and CBS, and has been used by over 1 million businesses. Right now, Ziggler listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ziprecruiter.com slash free trial. Again, that's zip recruiter.com slash free trial. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com.
1: Yesterday, we had a, a conversation, and it was about a phrase that said, you know, people, if they don't set out to intentionally hurt you as much as they're dealing with something themselves, right? Pretty
2: frequently, yeah. yeah.
1: You know, they, had, they had a, um, you know, they've had a bad day or they, they had an experience in their life that makes them believe a certain way. And it's really an issue they have with themselves more than what they're having with you or anybody else. And so it's kindness. So so then if that's what, let's say that when you look around and there's somebody who's being crusty and abusive and creating (laughs) a bad environment. If you have the mindset of, you know what, I have to be strong because we can't tolerate this going forward because that's not fair, that's not right. But also it's nobody's here is doing anything to deserve that. That person has something going on themselves. Does that does that mindset help in how you approach the, the, the kindness challenge? How does that work? Do you it, talk it, about the mindset of it?
2: Oh, it's everything. And, and let me tell you, it's here's the key about this the mindset is absolutely crucial. Now, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. Most people who talk about relationships are psychologists and counselors and therapists, right? I I started out as an analyst on Wall Street. I have a totally different background. So I, I don't know all the psychological terms, but I have seen in the research that they, and they call it, psychologists call it, but neuroscientists use some of the same terminology, that there is, it's called a positive override or a negative override. It's like, you're just in mm-hmm. that mode of that person just can't do anything right anymore. Like in a marriage, things have gotten really hard and you see everything, even something was a sincere effort to try to please you. You see that in a negative way. Oh, well, you know, he didn't really care about the kids. He was just doing that to get back at me or whatever. And it's like, no, probably, actually, he did care, right? It's, now not always. There's always exceptions, but in most cases. And that, that process, that mindset is key to everything. Here's the problem, is that we can't necessarily just force ourselves into a different mindset. You could change your actions and your mindset can still be that way. And so here's what we found. Doing what, and again, we call it the 30 day kindness challenge. You can call it whatever you want, but doing these, we found these three actions that you do every day. It's like a training ground and it re-chain, it retrains your mindset. This process is what is necessary in order to change what you see and how you feel and how you think about the other person. I mean, Kevin, do you mind if I share the 30 day kindness challenge, what it is?
0: Please, please.
2: So what we found is that if you, well, you have to pick someone that you want a better relationship with, and it could be someone you already are okay with. Like maybe you have a fine marriage and you just want it to be better. Um, So you, you pick your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, Um, or maybe, you know, your marriage is in difficulty. And so that's really an important relationship for you to work on. Maybe it's not a spouse. Maybe you do it for your, your kid. I mean, I'm, I've been doing this for my 16-year-old daughter. She's a great kid, but you know she can roll her eyes with the best of them. <laughs> I, really, <laughs> I really want a better relationship yeah. before she goes off to college. Um, maybe it's not your, somebody in your immediate family. Maybe it's your mother-in-law or that difficult colleague. Pick that one person. That's your training ground. Don't try to do it too broadly because it doesn't work, we found. Do it with that one person. And for 30 days, do three things. First, you say nothing negative about that person, either to them or about them to somebody else. And that is often where we sabotage our mindset. That's often where we sabotage our feelings and we don't realize it. Because if I'm upset with my husband because, you know, I asked him to do something, you know, again, and he didn't do it or whatever the example is, I can be polite to him. But if I go to my girlfriend's at work and I complain that he didn't fix whatever, I don't realize it, but I am completely sabotaging how I feel about my husband. And I'm training myself to be an unkind person. I don't intend to, but that's what I'm doing. So that's the first thing. Every day for 30 days, you say nothing negative to or about them. Second thing, every day for 30 days, is find one thing that you can sincerely praise, that you can sincerely affirm. About the person, and you tell them, and you tell somebody else. This is crucial for that changing the mindset and changing what you see. So I can't complain that he didn't do something, but I'm looking for things to praise. And so maybe I notice. I don't know, maybe he came home from, from work early in order to take the kids to their activities so I could do something I needed to do. And I say, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And then the next day, I go to my girlfriends at work and I say, you know what he did yesterday? And uh, what I'm doing is, and it's interesting, there's actually a passage in the Bible on this. It's in the letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Philippi. You'd see it in Philippians 4. And he he's basically saying, look, you need to practice thinking on whatever is excellent and lovely and noble and worthy of praise, rather than what's worthy of driving you crazy. (laughs) And so (laughs) that's what you're doing there. And you're also telling someone else. And the neuroscientists have found the more you do this, the more you'll actually notice the positive. Um, And so those are the two things. And then the third thing every day. Um, is to do a small action of kindness, a small action of generosity. Um, And so, you know, maybe I'm not doing this for my husband. Maybe I'm doing this for my mother-in-law or, you know, my stepfather or whatever. And, and maybe, you know, if I'm doing this for my mother-in-law, you know, maybe it's that, you know, we have a difficult relationship. There's been some contention there. And, and I, really don't like talking to her on the phone all that much, Um, but maybe she needs 15 minutes on the phone with me. And a little action of generosity is to willingly give her that 15 minutes on the phone. It's just a little thing, but we found those little actions say you're valuable. Now, you do those three things for 30 days. What we found is that 89% of relationships improved. 89% that is huge. We don't see those numbers in social research, but I looked at it eventually and I realized, you know, what it's what you were saying, Tom. It makes perfect sense that that many relationships would improve because the biggest thing you're doing is not changing, you know, not impacting the other person. The biggest thing you're doing is changing you. So it makes perfect sense that 89% of relationships would improve, right? Because you're the common denominator and you've improved
0: awesome. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so a few things on, on all you said, one, I love the fact. And so is my yeah. wife that you're a researcher and not the psychiatrist or the counselor or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Cause it, it feels irrefutable. It's, hey, it's just what we found in the research. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah. reminds me of, you know, that's why we love the, I mean, you've got the, some of the top Ted talks of all time from Brene Brown and Simon Sinek, two people who just did the yeah. research and brought it to us. And, and, and yeah. it's incredible, but second folks, I'll repeat it again, positive override and negative override. I mean, if that's not Ziegler-esque, I don't know what is, uh, but it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. I, I love that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pick Tom Ziegler for my personal to do it with because of our strained relationship. So we can do it together Tom. time, <laughs> uh, uh, Philippians four, I'm going to repeat that again for everybody. That's the, uh, the verse. Yeah. A brilliant verse to go along with this Four now, eight, Yeah. Uh, four eight. Okay. Now, you did talk about, uh, right, uh, just just prior that you found that it works best to pick an individual not to do this really broad, and that's what your research proved out. But I'm assuming, of course, that you found that, okay, if you're doing it with one individual, it's going to run over. Yes?
2: It will. Well, and see, here's the thing. It is specifically that one person, that's your training ground. Okay. That's your kind of kindness boot camp because we already think we are kind, right? We're, we don't realize we're a little deluded that we are far more unkind every day than we ever realized. And when you do this for this one relationship, it's almost like it, it, it opens your eyes really strongly to, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And I can give you a couple of examples of that. But once your eyes are opened, then that's when you start applying it broadly. But if you don't do this in sort of this intense way for one relationship, it's almost like it's so diffused that our eyes do not really opened in quite the same way. And so you would think that it wouldn't make the same difference, but in the research, it didn't. In the research, it really mattered to do this for this one relationship at the beginning.
0: Yeah. Well, it- Uh, And your, the exercise action of this, uh, it reminds me as always so often of, uh, the Ziegler self-talk cards where it's standing in front of the mirror and saying these things, because when you talk about the unkindness, which is where my next question is, I would say that I seldom ever speak an unkindness out loud. It's going on in here though. So if you're going to force me now to speak to this person and then speak to other people, you've now gotten me out of my my safe nonverbal shell uh, of trying to you know, stay, stay safe by not saying something, but it's going on in here and you're retraining my brain. Well, so on that note, and you've mentioned this a couple of times in the book, you say many of us will discover dozens of ways we have been unkind and never realized it ways we have been sabotaging ourselves and our personal relationships, workplace effectiveness, activities, and enjoyment of life. Uh, you call it kindness, blindness, which I, that's stuck in my head. I've thought about that all day. Kindness, blindness. So sabotaging, mm-hmm. I, I, I love that perspective. One of my, uh, partners, Tom knows him is a doc uh, doctor, and he's he says we're such in in big danger. of, We don't know what we don't know. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's so in sabotaging. So talk to us. I think you were just about to re- you were related to this a minute ago about uh, some of the top areas. I don't know culturally or humanitarily of of kindness blindness that we're missing. That we're going along thinking we're kind and we're really not. What are some of the top? What are, what are some of the biggies?
2: Well, what we identified in the research are seven. Okay. There are seven areas that we tend to be negative, tend to be unkind. And we just, we just don't realize it. You know, again, we're not doing it intentionally. Um, and I'll give you, if you don't mind me being very transparent, you and all of my best friends listening to this, um, I'll tell you mine. Right. Actually, I have two of them. Um, but I was horrified once I actually was cataloging them all and realized I'm unkind every day. I would have thought I wasn't you know, I never say things that are unkind. And then when I looked at the, everybody has at least one of these seven patterns in their life. One of the types of unkindness or negativity is exasperation or getting irritated fairly easily. And I realize I'm negative every day because I get exasperated with my kids, for example, every day. And I don't realize that for example, my 14 year old son, he'll work, you know, we'll work really hard on some important homework assignment and, you know, and I'll give up my precious time (laughs) to help him on something. And I mean, that's horrible that I think of it that way, but subconsciously, I think that's what I'm doing because when he goes to school the next day and forgets to turn it in,
1: Uh, I
2: get so frustrated, you know, and I'm, buddy. And I roll my eyes. I can't believe that, you know, you've worked so hard and we worked so hard. I don't realize Mm. that what I'm saying when I get exasperated is you're an idiot. (laughs) Would I ever say that phrase out loud to my sensitive 14 year old son? Of course not. I'm never going to say that out loud, but that's what I'm saying when I get exasperated. And I, now that my eyes have been open to that because I was doing this with my kids, I realized I started to see it everywhere. Like in the tone of voices, I'm talking to the, you know, financial services representative on the phone or, you know, my staff, my, my chief of staff is, you know, she's talking about something and she's taking too long to explain something. And I'm having a tone of voice that's saying, hurry it up, you know, <laughs> And I don't realize until my eyes are open to this, I was totally blind. That's oh. just one example. There's seven of them.
0: <laughs> okay, it, it's seven of them, and it literally pull. It's, tell me where in the book we, which chapter?
2: This is chapter six. Chapter six. <laughs> is, okay, all right. To me, that's one of the most important chapters in the whole book. I was going to say because yeah, it ahead. lists all the different patterns of negativity and unkindness that tend everybody's got different ones. Like I look at some of them and I, it's not an issue for me, but like some people look at that and they go, oh my gosh, sarcasm is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, you know, we, we love teasing in our family, but what we found is that there's a point where sarcasm actually becomes very unkind and negative without you intending it. Yeah. And it's really about what the person listening, whether they know there's 100% goodwill or not.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 cheating as we're talking here. I'm looking uh, at at chapter six. <laughs> oh, Tom is too. He's holding his book up. Here, everybody, <laughs> hold, hold the book up. There we go. So there you go, folks. You, you got to for nothing else. You got to get the book and go to chapter six and figure out. I mean, because yeah, I mean, we don't know what we don't know, and that's generally what's hurting us so much. I mean, in the health and wellness industry that I spend so much time devoted to, that of course is is always a killer. We know what we're doing right. We often don't know what we're doing wrong. <laughs> Uh, okay. That's, that's, um, that's story. So your your st- is your, based on you're pulling yourself out here in the interview anyway. So I'm curious as to your own story, what brought you to the devotion to this topic of kindness?
2: Well, I mean honestly it was it was going back through all the other studies right like I had gone my the book that i'm most well known for is called for women only right it's it's a book that helps women understand men it's a very mm. fun topic for any women listening to this and um and there and there's a for men only for you guys too <laughs> to <laughs> Thank understand you, yes. women but I'm going through all the studies like the study of men and the study of women and one of we did several of teenagers, we did one of the workplace and they're all very different. Like they don't look like they have much in common, but when I looked at them all kind of stood back and I realized, you know, my whole job really when it comes right down to it is to really identify the little things that have a big impact, you know, like I, I said at the exam, uh, the example at the beginning, you know, a wife who wants a better marriage, and she doesn't know that her husband's deep, like, unstated, unspoken need is to feel that she appreciates and respects him. And she'd give up feeling loved if he could just hear her say thank you, you know, multiple times a day. And pulling that kind of stuff out, and then realizing when you step back from it, realizing truly people's relationships, there are so many problems in relationships that don't have to be there. I mean, there's so much heartache and so much trouble that we don't realize we're bringing on ourselves and we have no intention of doing it. We don't even realize we're doing it. It's that blindness. And what an incredible thing. If I can just pull out these little snippets, these non-rocket science pieces of information that we just didn't know. And once I realized that kindness is one of those Areas that if you just can learn what it means to be kind and where you're not being, that it could change everything. I mean, I just feel this incredible pull to keep doing that and get that word out there because most people can do this and find that their lives change dramatically very quickly.
0: Well, it it comes to, we did a show and I'm sitting here racking my brain to think, oh, I remember it was Dan Harris, uh, Dan Harris, who wrote the book 10% Happier. And he's talking Mm -hmm. about meditation and kind of debunking the hoodoo guru-ness of it. And we came down to it in the interview. It's brain training. Uh, It's just reprogramming your brain, training your brain. And it feels like that's what you're talking about overall here it's not just an altruistic venture this is retraining your brain kind of giving people what they want so you will get what you want the Ziegler foundation
2: yeah well and the the thing that the thing that we have to realize though and it's very it's tempting to go into doing something like the kindness challenge because ultimately we want something out of it and the reality is it doesn't work that way Because we found there are plenty of people in the research project who that that was their motivation. And what we found is that you and I say you meaning me, we, we all if we go into this primarily wanting to be kind to someone else in order to get something from it what we're going to do is get very frustrated very quickly. Like the people who got the most frustrated during the testing of the 30 day kindness challenge were the ones that we would get comments back on the survey. Like, well, you would think that it would have been noticed more, Mm. you know, you would think that this person would have said something after all my hard work. And you know what, that's human nature. I would think the same. And yet we realize truly that's not kindness, That's self-interest. And so if I'm truly wanting to have a thriving life, I truly have to learn how to be kind for real to other people, not because I'm going to get something back, but because I want truly to treat others in the way I would want to be treated. Right. right? The golden rule. (laughs) Right. And, And including most importantly in those difficult situations And then the benefit is, in most cases, it comes back to me.
1: So I just, I had a thought. Uh, I like words. So the paradox of kindness is that in order to receive kindness, you have to give kindness without any expectation of receiving kindness.
2: Oh, my gosh, Tom, that's great. Yes. Yes. Can I write that
1: down? Write that down. (laughs) I'm recording it. We're good. We'll have a race to see who tweets that first.
2: (laughs) That's fantastic. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yes. So it's interesting because uh, I took that, I had another, I wrote a whole blog on justice and the the paradox of justice is that in order to find justice, both sides have to come to the table willing to give justice. Mm. Right. If you go to the table trying to get justice, it'll never happen.
2: Exactly. It it's very similar.
1: It doesn't matter uh, in the stakeholders who really was treated with the most amount of injustice. They both have to be willing to go and give it uh, first.
2: It's yeah, that's a great really way.
1: Because I was like, okay, so what's the downside to doing this? And I couldn't think of a downside unless your tension intentions were selfish.
2: There really isn't, and that's one of the things that I think is powerful, the, the fact that there really isn't a downside to this, as long as your intentions are truly to give kindness. If your intentions aren't, then the downside is that you could do all this work and somebody could still, you know, thumb their nose at you and blow it back in your face and it not have any impact but if you're if really your intentions are to truly learn how to be a kind person <clears throat> you're going to find first of all we know 89% of the relationships improved so in 89% of the cases there was an impact of some you know measurable way um, but of that 11% you still have the satisfaction of knowing that you did what you were supposed to do mm. And that you've trained yourself to be a better human being. I mean, that's all very good stuff for you, for every other relationship, even if that one didn't quite work.
0: Okay. Well, so on that, I had pulled out literally uh, from your book, I'm, I'm reading it a bit. You said uh, you had a big perspective that you have on kindness is in a relationship, being kind to another makes us feel more loved and appreciated. And you, yeah, it's again, we're, it's it's another counterintuitive uh, aspect here. Cause I tend to think that, okay, I'm going to be kind to another so that I'll get it back. But you're saying, well, to your 11 others, I guess, or 11% that you just talked about that if being kind, helped them feel more loved and appreciated, there was a benefit.
2: Yeah. Well, actually it was interesting when I got the spreadsheets back and I got all the survey data back, I stood there staring at this one number and I'm like, this is, is astounding. Just this one thing would have made all the research worth it because we found now this was in romantic relationships. We did, you know, different types of relationships as well, but a lot of people primarily find this need in marriage and just wanting to improve their marriages or romantic relationships. And what we found is that 66%, two thirds of the people who did this said, even though they were the one doing all the work, and usually the other person didn't even know they were doing this, right? It was, it was usually, you know, they, didn't, they hadn't announced it because they didn't want to risk not getting credit for it, you know? Like, you're only doing that because she told you to. Um, but most of the time, they were doing all the work. The other person didn't know it. And yet, at the end of the survey, at the end of the 30 days, 66% said they felt more loved. They felt more appreciated that was huge. That's like quantifying the idea that when you give to others, it'll come back to you.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's amazing. I mean, I, again, I love the research aspect of this, that it's, you're just, you're the messenger. Thank you uh, for being,
2: (laughs) (laughs) well, thanks. It's a lot of work, but you know, (laughs) I I feel like it's digging out again, it's digging out the little stuff. that's going to change somebody's life. And I'm so passionate about, Oh, I just wish you knew this or this or this yeah <laughs> it makes such a difference
0: okay so I, i've got i've got a, a a question maybe even somewhat of a of a, of a wrap-up qu- issue here and i'm going to combine two thoughts that i had one of them was in not sharing a negative at all you know through this 30 days it, it's it reminds me of, of the issue of grace and it's difficult mm-hmm. for me i'll own it difficult for me uh as as kevin to give it sometimes because there is an injustice happening. There is my kid is doing something. I don't want to enable them. I want that to stop and to give grace is, is very difficult. Um, and I'm going to combine that kind of that issue with you talk a little specifically about venting in the book uh-huh. that, and, uh, of not venting. And I thought, gosh, so I think I've always been presented at venting to a degree, uh, you know, healthful venting is therapeutic. It's being honest and not letting your feelings get pent up and festering. I've literally been told by you know people over the years, you need to vent. where you're you know you're keeping your your feelings in there, and I'm sure that you're not talking about getting pent up as well. So I guess there's two issues in there: is enabling and uh, within giving this grace too, and not sharing those negative feelings. Is is that getting uh, getting yourself pent up? Which I'm sure you're going to say no, but how?
2: Yeah. So okay, so let's tackle that venting one because it it covers them all, right? So here's really the thing that we have to confront. We've all been told it's therapeutic, right? That that's just as a is a belief that we've had for many, many years. Right. And what the neuroscientists have found is that in terms of how we handle, our brains handle it, it actually can be very damaging, not therapeutic at all. And you're right, it's not about, you know, Unhealthfully holding on to things and not sharing and not communicating that's not what i'm talking about but we've all had this idea that when you're frustrated with the little day-to-day things of life that venting about them it's like letting a little steam out of the kettle you know so the pot doesn't explode later right that's kind of the analogy we've been told neurologically it turns out that's completely inaccurate and that what happens instead is that as you share, again, those little day-to-day things, not necessarily the big ones that have to be communicated, but the little day-to-day, you know, that, you know, I told my husband five times to fix the kitchen cabinets and he hasn't done it yet. and You're complaining to your friends at work or whatever. What's happening is, according to the neuroscientists, it's activating and turning up this interconnected anger system in the brain. It's turning up your anger and turning up your frustration. The analogy is more like, instead of letting steam out of the kettle, the analogy that's better is you're turning up the heat under the pot. It's making it boil higher and higher and higher. And instead, if you take the pot off the burner and put the lid on, suddenly the steam goes away. And so if you refuse to focus, and again, if we're just talking about the 30 day kindness challenge at the beginning, Uh so that you retrain how you think about things, Uh if you refuse to focus on those negative things just for 30 days, and instead you're focusing on the positive and turning your thoughts away from those frustrations and noticing, well, my husband really did do this or that, or, you know, my wife really did, you know, she forgot this, but she did this really, she is just an amazing wife. She always makes us dinner, you know, whatever that is then suddenly you'll find your anger just kind of going away to some degree and you're just not as frustrated anymore and suddenly you notice all these great things that really didn't loom as large in your eyes and so yes those those issues are there of course they're there we're all human right but the question is are we also seeing the the good things that are there are they looming larger and this process of venting will make the bad ones loom larger. You stop doing that and you'll see the positive ones far more. And suddenly you just kind of like the person more. Mm. Once you like them more, you can deal with a lot of those big issues. We, we hear all the time from people whose marriages have been saved. And again, it's not rocket science. They're astounded that something really little can make a big difference. And we hear all the time from people who are like, look, doing this process, it didn't solve those big issues. You know, my, hu- my husband is still has an addiction problem or my wife still has this issue. But it makes them easier to solve. It doesn't solve the big things. It makes them easier to solve.
0: Okay, that's significant. And that was, that was my next question you even mentioned you know, we're talking about the everyday things, not always the, the, the real big ones. Again, there are some things that at some point, this isn't sweeping it under the rug and kind of like Correct. your story at the beginning with the lady who worked with the, uh, the what was he, the crusty, I can't remember. Crusty grouch. The crusty <laughs> grouch guy. Um, that, that there is a time when, okay, this is a big one. This is not sustainable. We have to deal with it. But then again, to take that and put it in this crucible of kindness, uh, so again, I, I don't want people to hear, right, cause I know that you're not saying that we're, we're, you still, there are th- some things that are going to have to be dealt with, but can we make it easier one? So it's almost, so are we prime, prime in the pump here?
2: Yeah, it's, it's essentially like, and I'm thinking of a, of a, a relationship that I've had for a number of years. I've mentored quite a few years who had really had come from a very difficult background and as a result perhaps had made some very wrong life choices and was really in the process of destroying herself. I mean there's really no other way to put that. And probably all of us can think of some examples of that where there were addiction issues, there were just life choices that were really destructive. And at some point you have to have an intervention you have to have boundaries. You can't continue to enable poor behavior poor behavior. Um, but When we sat down with her and had an intervention, and it was pretty tough, I mean, like, to the degree of, there were several of us that she really relied on that we said we're going to have to step out of your life, unless you do these things that she had refused to do consistently. And the way that we did it, at least I hope the way that we did it, we were very focused despite some very real frustrations on trying to do this in kindness and in love and saying, we're saying these things because we care about you, not because we don't. We're saying them because we do. And it really did again, have that heart change. Um, and, And it's interesting. I'm thinking of an analogy that one of the, Things that I found as I started talking about, as I started cataloging all the different types of kindness, I realized honestly, it's a superpower. I mean, we can kind of joke about that, you know. Like I love Marvel superhero movies. You know, everybody wants a superpower. We've already been given a superpower. It's called kindness. And it's very supernatural because what happens in the situation where somebody's being mean, somebody's being vindictive, somebody's destroying their life, whatever it is, and you go in maybe with strength in kindness, mm. you see that what happens is this approach, this caring approach, they may have a wall up, mm-hmm. it melts right through that wall. It's not that they let their guard down. It's that it melted through the wall and touched their heart anyway, even if they didn't want their heart to be touched, because kindness has that power. And that's something that we can't, we can't ever quantify. There is something very supernatural about it. As you guys have said, it really is a paradox.
1: You know, I I love this and I I want to uh, just, just make a comment to all of our podcast listeners. Uh, a couple of things are just really sticking out of my mind. First off, I love the fact that kindness is a choice that anyone can make. <laughs> you know, you, you, don't yeah. be, you don't have to be a researcher or a PhD or have all kinds of resources. It's pretty much just a choice. Here's the second thing, and I'm, I'm, I'm studying different things. And, and one of the things that we that I believe is that Uh, We are created in God's own image and we're created to create. So the creator created us to create and happiness comes out of creation. And what I mean by that is this simple concept that if we discipline ourselves to do the things we should do that allow us to create what our purpose is. Right. Then we create something spiritual. It's so much bigger. And so discipline along with doing things allow us to create something leads to happiness. Literally the endorphins will flood when we use discipline to do something we should, and we get a result. And so we grow. And so I'm looking at this kindness thing and I'm thinking, because I think you linked kindness and happiness together. And really what we're doing is recreating a spiritual relationship that's bigger than the sum of the parts. It like explodes the possibilities. And so I, you know, maybe that's a little, uh, that's a Tom rant on (laughs) the intellectual engineer and me coming out, but the fact it's a choice, the fact that we can create something bigger than we can imagine simply by being kind. I mean, that is, it's it's like uh when I was out visiting Kevin's place there in uh, Dr. Randall James and he said you know there's really no side effects to drinking a little bit more water having a little less simple carbohydrates and moving a little bit more I mean what's the downside I mean right I, I can't think of a downside here so and I I love this and so uh I think I'm going to be taking the challenge soon no. well <laughs>
2: My guess is, and this happens all the time for me and others, is as people are listening to this, I guarantee you almost everybody listening has in mind that name of that person mm-hmm. they're supposed to do the 30 Day Kindness Challenge for. And I would encourage you, seriously, don't like let that float away. Actually make the commitment to do it. Because you will find it changes you very dramatically. It opens your eyes. It's very simple, but it's very eye-opening. And there's actually, if people are interested, there's actually a way they can sign up for it and get reminder emails.
0: Well, I, that's, that's where I was going next. That was my my ending uh, challenge to everybody is right now go to jointhekindnesschallenge.com. Uh, there's a video there from Shanti and uh, there's really cool, uh, what's your kindness quotient? You can take an assessment and I pulled it up, looked at the first questions and right away thought, oh my goodness, uh, <laughs> I, got, <laughs> I got some stuff to deal with here. Uh, so yeah, you can, you can take that question, but go there, do yourself a favor, join the kindness challenge.com. Uh, you can also find uh, Shanti on Facebook uh, and I, I think it's under your name, S-H-A-U-N-T-I. Uh-huh. And then the last name, here you go. I'm going to spell it right because I've got it written here. F-E-L-D-H-A-H-N. Uh, so go find her there Shanti thank you so much for being with us today sharing this message yes I am going to be utilizing this book as well I love that you called the book a challenge um, so here for, you know I'm gonna hold it up for you guys to see one more time but you can go go to her website and get it or get it wherever you get your books Shanti thank you
2: thanks so much